Welcome to the Amaze Podcast. Amaze creates free educational videos and resources to help families talk openly, honestly, and less awkwardly about sex, health, relationships, and growing up. Our goal is to help you become an askable parent so your kids trust that you're their go-to for honest, non-judgmental information. In today's episode, you'll hear from Janae Johnson, a licensed marriage and family therapist, also known as the Teen Whisperer. Janae and I talk about the nuanced struggles that teens currently face as they wade through the pandemic, why it's important to help teens become emotionally responsible and well, even when their parents aren't around, simple verbal and nonverbal ways parents can support teens right now, the importance of infusing positivity and humor into everyday life, and more. Janae is full of wisdom and heart and is sure to inspire. Let's have a listen. Hello, Janae. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome to the Amaze Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh my goodness. I uh, learned about you last year and have become, through Amaze, and have become such a fan of your work. So it really is a delight to talk to you today. Thank you. Thank you. I love talking about teenagers and anyone that's willing to listen. (laughs) Oh, that's fabulous. Well, let's jump right in. Um, I would love for you to introduce listeners a bit to your backstory and how you came to do the work that you do at Teen Talk. And you are known as the Teen Whisperer, which I think is kind of amazing. So I would just love to hear like a quick little backstory. Oh, thank you. Um, So yes, my name is Janae and I am licensed in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And my backstory is a really simple one where I was a teenager who struggled with a lot of big emotion and I really didn't have a lot of outlets outside of cheerleading. Um, And while cheerleading helped, I still did not understand my feelings. And so after just going through that experience, I decided, you know what? why don't you grow up and be a person that would help teenagers navigate their big emotions? Because I just felt that there's no way I should have had to deal (laughs) with all of those big emotions by myself. Mm. Um, And so that's what I did. I decided to be the person that I needed on that level. And I went to college twice over with a lot of student loan debt. (laughs) And (laughs) And I decided to study family therapy Um, Because what I also recognized was it wasn't just me, right? It was a lot of my family dynamic and how we interacted with each other. Um, And so I just really wanted to be a resource for families and parents and teenagers um, to help them navigate their feelings. So that's amazing. And uh, (laughs) I think it's worth mentioning that um, you were really tapping into empathy at a time when you were struggling, right? Like the idea to yes. create a journey, you know, based on your own struggles, that's that's pretty leveled up and awesome, you know, just as a teen sort of looking forward about what to do in the world. So, you know, goodness, thank you, thank you for that. Well, let's talk about teens. Oh my goodness, I have one myself. Mm-hmm. I would just be so curious to hear how you would best characterize where teens are at right now, like how they're holding up during this crazy time, like what are their biggest struggles? And I ask this because I think a lot of parents think they know what the struggles are, but, you know, sometimes there are different things or there's more nuance that, you know, we're not even thinking about. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I think I want to start with the nuance piece. So I think the nuance here is that we are wanting our teenagers to still excel and thrive at the level that they were pre-pandemic. And that really 
it's unrealistic. I'm going to go out on the limb and just say it's unrealistic. And I'm going to list a few uh, things to highlight how unrealistic it is. One, we have pushed everyone into a virtual space where that is not everyone's strong suit to learn new concepts. Um, It may not be their strong suit for repetition and being able to process the information or understand the information. And honestly, some teachers do not know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do not know how to manage virtual learning. Most teachers signed up, of course, to teach in person mm-hmm. and to have that interaction. And so it's difficult even for the teachers to, you know, put out information and make it creative and make it fun. So again, that's one of the nuances here. Another one is staring at screens actually makes us very tired the exhaustion is higher than when we're actually out in person and we're not staring at screens. Optometrists have talked about how much staring at screens strains our eyes and makes us tired, while also the light can keep our brain moving well Mm -hmm. beyond when it needs to. And so now sleep is being interrupted. Again, a whole nother thing that we're experiencing that we did not have to experience pre-COVID. So those are two nuances. The third one is there really isn't an outlet. Our youth really thrive off of right now their their brains um, and their development is around identity. And they are struggling to figure out what that is because they don't have those peer-to-peer interactions like they did before to help them shape that. And so now they don't have an outlet. Mm. And there are, and again, if the, I don't understand. And I think I want parents to kind of recognize this. We really have to be able to understand that the expectation should not stay the same if the circumstances have not stayed the same. Oh my goodness. Yes. Put that on a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Will do. Yeah. It's (laughs) so true though. It's so true. You know, I think they're the idea of just, you know, throwing the usual schedule, the usual homework, all of that, you know, onto a context that is just so vastly different. I mean, it's, it really is unrealistic, as you said. Mm-hmm. And wow. so they're dealing with a lot more pressure um, in general because of pandemic. And then we have to think about our seniors, right? Mm-hmm. They are losing out on everything we've hyped them up on. Mm-hmm. I mean, for every eighth grader, every senior, they're, they lost their prom, their graduation. And sure, we can still do things to commemorate, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And it's not the thing that we've been, you know, holding them to the fire to in terms of making it a a reward. Like, yeah, you're going to get to your prom and you're going to go off to college. Like all of those things do not seem as rewarding right now. And so there are, they, they have to grieve that because that's a loss. Yeah, and yeah. I think we're, we're pushing, we're pushing through too much instead of allowing some empathy and allowing, you know, them to be and have moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't, you know, certainly I've, I've thought about, you know, last spring, especially after, you know, seeing people do the prom at home and all those things I had thought about, oh, you know, sure, that's an event. That's a milestone. That's so sad. But I hadn't really also thought of it in the way of like, that's kind of like a reward that you might be driving towards like for through mm-hmm. a year. Um, so, wow, that adds another layer to it. Goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, so you use some framing and language that I really love. You talk about wanting teens to be emotionally responsible and well, even when parents aren't around, because there still are moments, even in the pandemic, when parents aren't around. So could you talk about, talk more about what you mean by that? Oh, absolutely. So my goal with Teen Talk and with all the workshops and everything that I do, even when I work with other adults, um, is to just let them know, hey, the goal is to make sure that your teen is emotionally responsible. And what that means is they have an understanding of their emotion, they understand how it impacts them, and then they understand how it impacts the world around them. And making sure that they have, you know, those three pillars or those three unders, you know, I guess understanding uh, pathways helps them to make better choices and Mm. helps them to ultimately stay safe. Uh, because, you know, teenagers are a little risky, um, but ultimately it helps them stay safer because then they're able to have a minute to stop and think about it and to understand that, oh, when I have this thought, I feel this way and then I act this way. Oh, but if I act this way, then this might happen. Oh, that might not be a good situation. Or even if it's something that's outside of their control, you know, i.e. like a predator or something else is happening, they can also go through that same process and say, oh, I need to tell my parent because now this is beyond my scope mm-hmm. of being able to handle. And so for me, I really pride myself on teaching teens how to be emotionally responsible. And that includes them knowing when they can't handle something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's so crucial too, because even you know, from a brain development standpoint, that's what's happening. You know, the emotional centers are developing before the reasoning, correct? Like mm-hmm. that that's yeah. something they need. That's something they need. And, you know, since you mentioned, um, you, you know, being a little risky, that's also normal. And I think that's, you know, risk seeking behavior like is normal and developmentally appropriate. And I think that's important for parents to know and that like their job is to sort of help provide some guidance around safe risk taking, you know, would you agree with that? I do. I do. And it's also about staying a safe place. So I think where parents, um, it's a struggle because I know parents want to keep their children safe. I know there's a lot of like parent shame out there. You know, if parents want to try something different or do things different, or they're afraid of their team making mistakes and being judged. Um, but you always want to stay the safe space. I know some of the conversations or things may be difficult to hear, but you don't want your teen going to someone else and saying them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you you don't want them to, obviously you can have like your, your circle of trust. And I talk about that with my teenagers. So of course, as a parent, you know, there might be an aunt or a friend, a counselor, someone else that you trust enough to talk to your teen because you're like, ooh, this topic triggers me. I'm not really sure how to handle this. However, you don't want to ice out everything that they say to you because then they might go to a random person, a random adult, a random, you know, person that knows how to manipulate, uh, you know, their, their youngness and their blindness in certain areas. Um, and then they get the wrong information, you know, that can be harmful. Yes. Well, wow. There are a couple things I just want to underline. Like one, I mean, we talk about the importance of trusted adults all the time at Amaze. So that is like, you know, so crucial. And especially since you mentioned, you know, we're humans and sometimes there are topics that are triggering and hard for us. And so that is like 
really important to factor that in. Um, and if there is, you know, another trusted person who can sort of tackle that with less emotional, <laughs> you know, baggage around mm-hmm. it, that's so important. Well, since we're talking about communication, um, one thing we hear a lot about from parents is sort of struggling with like how to approach conversations, how to approach hard conversations, you know, with their kids, with their teens. I'm curious if you have any like really simple tips for conversational ways that parents can support teens right now. Maybe that means not talking at all. I don't know. (laughs) I'd be curious about your thoughts. Uh, So this is a great question. And I actually have a journal um, for moms and daughters specifically. Sorry, uh, dads out there. I'll I'll work on it. Um, But in this journal in particular, I talk about and I have conversation starters um, that, you know, parents can utilize if it's something tough happening going on. And so I think one of my one of my favorite conversation starters is just saying to your child, you know, hey, I remember when I was your age. Right. That's just kind of a very good segue in because it's actually going to normalize and humanize the parent. Um, And I don't think a lot of teens see their parents as like actual people. And I don't think parents stop to actually allow themselves to be actual people. I think they get into the parent identity and it's just like vroom, vroom (laughs) from there. And so I think being able to say things like, I remember when I was your age or, you know, I often struggle or struggle with this, you know, or I've never had this experience yet. I'm curious about. And so those are just kind of like some very smooth, I guess, you know, segues into having a um, hard conversation, even saying something like you seem very excited about, you know, Mm. going to hang out with, you know, Lisa, yet I'm afraid of xyz right and that's you're still communicating your point versus saying i don't like this person you can't hang out with them right you're you're communicating that you acknowledge their feeling of excitement yet that you still feel of you know you have a sense of concern mm-hmm. and then you can open up the conversation and talk to your teen about what the concern is maybe you misunderstood something and they can clear it up but it still allows open conversation and open dialogue which at the end of the day, at the end of every parenting day, that is what you want because you never know when something big is going to happen in their life and you want them to immediately think, I have to tell my parent. Yeah, yeah. You never want them to second guess that part. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. Well, and I also was reading, I'm curious, you know, if you would agree with this. I was just reading yesterday um, that, you know, it sounds really basic, but it, it kind of struck me that one of the best things you can do when you're going to communicate with your teens is to just like be in a calm place. Like, you know, if you're mm-hmm. fired up about something, like take a step back and wait till you're calm, because if you're all stressed out and you like trigger their stress, then like the conversation's basically going to fall on de- deaf ears. <laughs> so um, would you agree with that? Like, I mean, it sounds like a really simple thing, but I think with teens and, you know, their development in particular, it sounds really reasonable. Oh, 1000% agree with that. You know, that's something that actually translates into adulthood. <laughs> um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I do, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I do wish we framed how we treat teens with just how we treat people. Um, I, I think we make it, it is different, right? There are some developmentally different things that we do have to pay attention to, but I think it also boils down to, hmm, how would I want to be talked to in a situation like this? 
would I respond if someone, you know, talked to me this way and I'm in distress? And so I do wish we can kind of even out what that looks like a little bit more mm-hmm. because I think it would I think it would make it a lot easier um, if if I were to be honest. Um, but back to your question, yes, it makes a lot of sense just to kind of calm down so that you can actually one formulate your thoughts because what I often find with parents is they can be upset about something or a number of things and then they engage in a conversation with their team and they're responding from something that's really not even present on the table. Mm-hmm. And so then, and then they don't know how to either apologize or go back and have conversation. But then now the conversation has probably blown up to a point where the team doesn't want to continue to communicate. The parent doesn't want to continue to communicate, but whatever the thing is, it might actually still happen. So I just always caution that around, you know, not being in a calm place so that you can actually get to the the meat and potatoes of the conversation and not right. just, you know, spread spread the dirty mop water around. I use dirty <laughs> I use dirty oh my mops gosh, that is for such analogies a, like that is all perfect. the time. <laughs> that is perfect. All right. Well, so I'm also curious and I, I don't know you know, if there's an answer to this, but I'm curious if you also the sort of the counterpart to the conversations. Um, my question is whether you have any kind of simple, like nonverbal ways that parents can support teens right now, like things that actually have nothing to do with sitting down and have a, having a conversation with them. Some nonverbal things. Oh man. Okay. So one, this is going to sound really odd, but I think parents should like send memes to their teens sometimes like be funny and text them funny I things love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I just think they're fun um I think parents I did a conference I think two years ago and I put on the <laughs> I put on the board or on my presentation that you know parents are kind of boring you know they do not have fun with their kids they make everything seem like it's all work no play and everybody's wound up tight. So mm-hmm. I would say a really interesting, and I'm not saying that they're boring people. I'm saying they're boring parents. Mm-hmm. Two different things, right? <laughs> um, so sending memes to your children, I think, are is cool. Um, sometimes just sitting in the room with them while, you know, if they're watching something, having movie time. Um, you know, if they're listening to music, maybe you can sit with them or tell them, like, hey, send me, you know, an artist you're listening to now or the song that you have on repeat right now. Um, so those are some nonverbal things. I think high fives, hugs, fist bumps, you know, all of those physical touch things are also nice. Um, post-it notes, maybe things that you like about them, um, sharing something positive about your day, asking them something positive about their day on a post-it note, um, on a mirror, on a refrigerator, their bedroom door. There are just so many ways. There are so many ways. And I love all of those. And, um, you know, this is making me think too, that I, I don't believe it's empirically tested, but I don't know if you've heard of like the five love languages and, you know, Mm -hmm. just basically the idea of tuning into like what the other person actually loves and appreciates and how they feel seen. And, um, I think like, if you can tap into that and figure that out, you know, like for example, with my teen just yesterday, um, I made her lunch and that doesn't actually happen a lot these days because of pandemic schedules. And it just felt like she appreciated it so much and it was so lovely. And to just 
enjoy lunch together. So I think there are just these little things if you tune in. Um, but I, I love that you suggested some really simple, like two second, like sending a funny meme or leaving a post-it note is such a quick touch point, but a really valuable mm-hmm. one. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Okay. Well, I, you know, well, this is going to be understatement of the year. Obviously our country <laughs> is in a really tough place. I mean, it's been in a tough place for a very long time, um, mm-hmm. you know, regarding racism and inequity. And I know that in the past you have done some work on something called the Black Brain Campaign, which is a nonprofit geared to eradicate the stigma of black mental health and make black clinicians visible in the community. So I was just curious. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and, you know, um, your your involvement in that organization. Oh, absolutely. So the Black Brain Campaign uh, started in 2016, and it was an organization that myself and my business partner decided to put together because we just felt even in our community, uh, we didn't know a lot of the black therapists in the area and our, you know, the city of Philadelphia is a, has a very large black population. Um, and so with that organization, we've been able to provide free community resources. Um, we hosted movie nights for children to come out and learn about their feelings by watching the movie um, Inside Out. Oh, yes. And yes, it was so fun. And it's such a good movie. And it was amazing. And we had um, two other movies where they came and talked about, you know, um, sexual inappropriateness and bullying. And we, you know, host, you know, family time, family fun days where we blocked off the streets, you know, in conjunction with state representatives. So families can come outside and have fun and get free food and the children can play. So our goal was to eradicate the stigma of mental health by making Black clinicians visible, but by also making sure that we are implementing family wellness and families, like I said, having fun, having a good time. Because I think when we think about mental health, we are always thinking about kind of the sad things and, you know, the things that are bothering us. And we don't spend enough time creating new memories having fun, and then strengthening the good things about us as people and individuals. And so we did a lot of, we do a lot of great work with that organization. Um, and we're so grateful to have support of like a lot of the state reps to, you know, call certain weeks, mental health awareness weeks and black mental health week so that we can really create more visibility. So it's an amazing organization. Oh my gosh, that's so fantastic. And I love that you talk about the importance of uh, focusing on the positive, you know, because really, yeah. you know, it is true that when we think about, um, you know, mental health, sometimes we're sort of focused on the negative. And also what is so valuable about that approach is that, you know, oftentimes when we think about somebody in a, you know, somebody needing, you know, health support systems, um, you're thinking about that person, but really, you know, the whole family system is very important in, yes. in that scenario. I mean, in all ways, um, I always think about, any decision that happens for one person in a family really impacting the family system. So I just Mm -hmm. love that. That's so, so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I know our time is running out Janae, and I just wanted to, you know, to ask if there was, you know, anything else that you wanted to share any, you know, call to action you might have around your work or, or anything else. Yeah. So I, I just want parents to support their teen's journey um, of development, understand it is not linear. So even if you feel they make some progress in some ways, they might, you know, relapse or lapse, if you will. 
but that's okay because it's all a part of the learning process. And as parents, you guys are amazing. You're doing the best that you can. And although there aren't any, you know, parenting manuals, there are plenty of books and guidelines out here (laughs) that can help you manage and navigate the process um, a lot better. I am one of those resources and I'm actually going to be having a a webinar series for teen girls that's free. And we're going to be talking about confidence. So if there are any parents out there interested in that, that would be perfect. That sounds amazing. Um, I would like <laughs> to sign you. up. And <laughs> and I will be sure to link up your site and I will get that uh, webinar information from you to link up in our show notes. That sounds incredible. Thank well, you. Well, Janae, thank you so much. I know you are tremendously busy. I know this is a crazy time and I really appreciate you bringing your um, wisdom and your love and your heart onto the Amaze podcast. Oh, my pleasure. And I actually, I forgot to say one thing, if you don't mind. I of think course. I would also love, <laughs> thank you. I would also love to encourage all of the parents out there to use this time to create new traditions in your family. Mm-hmm. So I know it's really tough and we might not be able to do the things that we used to do, but I think this is a really good opportunity to create new traditions with your family while also teaching your teen that they always have an opportunity to create something new and, and pivot. So that is the, that's the perfect way to close. I love it so much. Um, it's really, really wonderful. And again, thank you so much, Janae. This was just such a delight to connect today. Thank you. It was amazing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode to find more free educational resources from Amaze, including videos, book recommendations, conversational scripts, and more visit amaze.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Amaze Parents, and on Twitter at AmazeOrg. And we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.